Guardian Unlimited. Guardian Unlimited. The Rugby World Cup Show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to magnuscider.com. Well, hello again. I'm Ian Payne for the latest in our series of Guardian Rugby World Cup podcasts. Have we got things to talk about? What a weekend. Not one, but two home nations out. Ireland, I suppose, was hardly a surprise. But what happened to Wales? What about the sacking of their coach? Was it a knee-jerk reaction? And what a match to talk about. Lots to chat about, including England finally pulling out an almost decent performance through to the quarterfinals against Australia, who apparently hate the English. Scotland squeezing through against Italy to face the mighty, and I mean mighty, Argentina. And we'd love to hear your views. And as always, the way to do that is go to blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Tell us what you think. The panel today, myself, Ian Payne, in the studio with me Ian Pryor deputy sports editor of the Guardian Kevin Mitchell is in Paris he's the chief sports writer of the Observer we'll speak to him specifically about England but on all subjects and also I'm delighted to introduce on the phone from Wales Garin Jenkins former Welsh hooker won 59 caps during the 1990s and just after for Wales uh, Garin let me start with you and how, how are you feeling as a former Welsh international with almost 60 caps after that amazing game at the weekend well, you hit the nail on the head. It was an absolutely amazing game and a great advert for rugby sometimes when, uh, you know, we went watch a lot of the rugby union games are just uh, uh, teams bludgeoning on and uh, quite quite playing uh, a robotic style of rugby. That was a breath of fresh air. Unfortunately for me as a Welshman, uh, Wales were on uh, the wrong end of the result as far, uh, as far as the result went, but it was a fantastic game of rugby union. Do you think they should have sacked the coach quite so quickly? Um, I think uh, they should have given him, uh, you know, his dignity and letting him come home and just reflect maybe for a day or so to make that decision. I think, uh, you know, it was inevitable because Gareth had made the, the, you know, judge him by the World Cup. Then uh, that statement was there that Wales had underachieved. Kevin Mitchell, what did you make of the game, watching it in Paris? Well, if the, if the IRB have got any sense, they will market that as a video and take it all around the world and maybe take one or two of the Fijians with them and, and sell rugby on the back of yeah. the most amazing game that most of us have ever been privileged to see. It was quite an extraordinary game. I watched it in a bar in Paris and even passers-by who were sort of vaguely aware of what was going on in terms of rugby uh, stopped to look at it in amazement. And uh, it was... It reminded me a little bit, was it a Chelsea versus Real Madrid a couple of years ago in, in a Champions League game where everybody just decided they were going to have a, a fine old time and play whatever they wanted to play. And I think there were 30 individuals on the pitch and it was just amazing, uh, all doing exactly what they wanted to do. Yeah, if anyone's wondering what we are talking about, we're talking about the game in Nantes at the weekend when Wales were beaten 34 38. They were conceding tries left, right and centre at the beginning. They were 25-3 down at one point. Then they went ahead. They scored five tries and then Fiji scored again. It was the most amazing game. Ian Pryor, why was it such an amazing game, do you think? Well, I think, it, as Garen says, here at last was two teams that went out there to play rugby, to, play, to plan to play the kind of rugby that all of us have been waiting to see in the World Cup. The sense of adventure, the, 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 the sheer optimism of it. And I think it's a in many ways, a great pity Wales have gone out. You know, they, they, they met their match on Saturday. But in the course of that game, I think they played more rugby than Ireland, Scotland, England have managed in this entire tournament so far. 
it was a joy to see. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tragedy to lose them at this point in many ways. Garen, do you feel the Welsh got their tactics right? Should they not have kept it a bit more tight because you were playing possibly into the Fijian strengths, weren't you? Well, look, you've got analysts in the game of rugby. We've got rugby scientists. We've got uh, people monitoring your diet. There's long-term athlete development. But look, you've got to... What we need to do in Wales, and I think in many parts of Britain, is develop this game sense, right? You know, I think we're catching up physically with the, the Southern Hemisphere countries. But what we are not doing in Wales, England, and, and, and all over Britain is develop that game sense at a young age and get people with a team ethic embedded in them early on. In Wales, we struggle. We are excellent at promoting individuals from young age group levels. I work in a coaching system, and I think sometimes there are too many individuals in Wales throughout the systems that would promote their individualism at the expense of the team, and we've got too many of those people involved in the system. Now, what happens, sadly, you're talking back uh, about the tactics, but obviously we know where Fiji have, have their strength, you know, in a fragmented game, and the plan would have been to, to get it into the, the right areas and to dominate the set-piece where, you know, historically they're not that good at that area. What we miffed me on Saturday was four minutes into the game, I, I was watching the Fijian front row especially, we were walking. We had two scrum fives on their line. We went for the pushover, and we were awarded two penalties. Now, surely... Someone with rugby sense would have said, well, right, if Fiji dropped that scrum again, we're going to get a penalty try. Instead, Garth Thomas came across and opted for the penalty. So we did half a job there. It wasn't until 25 minutes into the game that we had another scrum five. The scoreline now is reading 25-3. We opted for the scrum and persisted with the scrum and scored. So that is game sense, isn't it? Garen, do you, not, do you not think that what you're talking about game sense there, that that's perhaps something a lot of Wales coaches have tried to instill in that team in recent years, from, from maybe Graham Henry onwards? Yes. I mean, it, it, was always Garen, or it was always Garrett Jenkins' plan to introduce a more pragmatic game into the way Wales played, but you know, it's, it's not something he's been able to achieve. And Wales have sacked 13 coaches in 21 years now. Exactly, well, that Is says it? it in itself, doesn't it? We never find the solution. We debate about things. We put a coach in and we, we, we say we're going to scour the, the world for high-performance managers, you know, long-term athlete developers. Those, those titles are like in many of the businesses. They mean nothing. They baffle people more than anything. What you need is you need to get down to the culture. The problem is in the culture. We think that it's, we have a given right to beat teams like Fiji because, but we don't. What do we like? You know, we, we played some sublime rugby on Saturday. So for 20 minutes, you almost thought Fiji were, were, were going to fold. Full credit to Fiji, they came back. But I just think, <coughs> why, why do New Zealand, uh, Australia, South Africa produce great teams consistently? Because those ethics, it's in the culture from a young age. You know what I mean? In New Zealand, they're pioneers. You know, they've got the Maori natives there. But many of the, the, the people that have travelled to New Zealand are pioneers. They're from the old country, Wales, England, Scotland, Ireland. They're ingrained. There's a toughness about their environment. We, I think, we're too soft as a nation. OK, Garen, thank you very much for sparing us the time to chat to us today. It obviously means a lot to you. And, uh, oh, we, yes. We appreciate your time. OK. Thank you very much for talking to us, Garen. Thank you. Uh, Garen Jenkins, former Welsh hooker with 59 caps during the 1990s. Um, what do you think about what Garen's been saying? Do you feel as strongly as he does? Blogs, 
www.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport is our website address if you want to go to it blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport and you can tell us uh, what you think uh, this is from uh, Funky Badger who said first off fantastic game Wales against Fiji second off Wales only have themselves to blame long term for their problems they the fans the players the coaches the Blazers seem more interested and more committed to petty bickering than trying to build a winning team for a team with such talent to play over the last goodness knows how many years with such a lack of intelligence borders on the criminal sorry to see Shane Williams leave the World Cup though as he's the best winger in it uh, the odds on who will be the new coach. Scott Johnson, 3-1, to one, the former Wales skills coach. Phil Davis, the leading Welsh contender at 4-1. to one. Eddie Jones, the former Australian coach at 5-1. to one. And Warren Gatland, former uh, Wasps coach from New Zealand, of course, at 6-1. to one. Various other uh, men who are being mentioned. Pierre Berbizier, John Kerwin, Dai Young, Nick Mallett, uh, even Sir Clive Woodward at 50-1, uh, even Graham Henry. Um, Kevin Mitchell, the, the general malaise of Northern Hemisphere and particularly home nation rugby, which we've talked about on this programme ad nauseam. Uh, what do we make after a weekend like that? What do we make of it? Well, I think somebody made the point there about intelligent rugby. You have a look at the way, as exhilarating as it was, look at the way Wales blew that game. Um, Hooks missed uh, Penn just before the, the break. Martin Williams, who is an intelligent player, not getting closer to the posts when he scored that runaway try. Uh, that, that just alone, those two things cost them a game. And all the other things were brilliant. Uh, I think what Garen Jenkins was on about is, is right, and I think I'd just like to add to it, is, it, is that they, they have to play more intuitively, that the skill factor has to be embedded in the team ethic. Things like you know, offloading, um, in, in under pressure at close, court, close quarter passing, Rather than just turning people into, you know, mighty hulks and, and coming out with all that beef on them and trying to muscle their way through a match, you know, to, to trust their rugby instincts, to, to play with a bit of intelligence and cleverness. And I, and I think that's what we've lost in the Northern Hemisphere. You, you have a look at the way the Australians will play um, from here on in, and, and as they have done so far, they play with a lot of nous as do the, the, the All Blacks and the South Africans. And I think that's what we've missed. It, it's just good old-fashioned rugby intelligence. Um, come on, yes, Kevin, can yeah. I make a point? That, why is it that the Northern Hemisphere teams, and I'll accept France for the moment because they're still in it, just, just seem to have missed the evolution in the game? I mean, you, you look at how New Zealand, South Africa and Australia have developed from the, the last World Cup, which was, you know, which was a very kind of forward-dominated affair and the, and, and the team with the best pack came out on top. You look at the way they've brought their game on now, where, the, where, where obviously aggression of the breakdown, recycling ball, tur- turnovers, a, a, an excellent open-side flanker has, has kind of become the holy grail of the way top teams play now. But we just don't seem to have got that in, in Ireland, England and, and Wales. I think it's a touch of arrogance, perhaps, Ian, that, that uh, you know, refusal to, to take on board the lessons that we see in the Southern Hemisphere. Or maybe just a little, you know, they're just a little bit slow to do so. I mean, we were talking to Ben Kay a couple of weeks ago, after the South Africa match, he acknowledged that fact that they were, you know, that they they couldn't match the tempo at the breakdown. And when you ask him why, he didn't know why. Well, I mean, if they know what's wrong, they should be able to address it and fix it. It's it's not good enough to say they recognise what what the weakness is. They then should have to go out and fix it. And they, and they to to their credit, they were they were uh, a bit more sprightly against uh, Tonga. I mean, they were you know more lively in the in open play. 
um, especially at the breakdown, and, and move the ball with a little bit more urgency. But they're still way, way off the pace. Are we seeing anything that gives kind give you signs for encouragement, um, Kevin, with the England side so far? Yeah, well, I think I think they have come back a little bit. Like, you know, they, they uh, down ten three, and the, and then to come back. Uh, put those points on the board. Saki looks lively. Scored two tries again. For me, he's been one of the, you know, the success stories. Johnny Wilkinson is still uh, moving slowly towards the boil, but I, you know, I, I think I don't think he's got enough time left to, to reach his peak again. Uh, the forwards play well. Like, you know, Corey uh, is a, a, a true soldier. He just keeps going. Uh, Lewis Moody took. Absolutely, so many big hits and kept getting up. He, he was he was very strong. I think the days of Delalio and a few of the old uh, war horses are probably behind them, and but they're still good off the bench. Farrell was good off the bench. Uh, you know, there, there, were, there were you know signs of encouragement. But I think this World Cup's going to pass them by eventually. Yeah, well, of course, they've got Australia to come next. Uh, the bloggers, you can get in touch with us, by the way, uh, by blogging us. And if you go to the uh, website we've been talking about throughout, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. This is from Nimroid Troy, who says, uh, the second of two important wins for England and another improved performance, guts, character, bloody-mindedness and cool, hard-nosed experience generated the determination to avoid humiliation. Wales couldn't manage it and Ireland too have imploded under the weight of expectation, he says. Uh, Kiwi Red from Hamilton in New Zealand says, even against Tonga, England looks slow and cumbersome a significant amount of the time. The Tongans look completely out on their feet in the second half, but the Aussies won't. Farrell will have no impact. Saki won't see the ball. Hopefully Robinson will be back to add some spark that Wilkinson may have the nous to exploit. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, Ian, but do you give Ian England any chance against Australia? You, you give them what amounts to a puncher's chance, I think. And, you know, the, England have been lucky. They've played two games now against opposition, which were, although very physically challenging, had probably left their best behind in this World Cup, Tonga particularly. T- Tonga coming into the England game had played South Africa, a huge game, ran them very close. Before that, they'd played Samoa, th- their World Cup final. Um, and they looked like a team that had very little left to give. I mean, the, the one thing you can always say about England is that they're fit, they're, they're big, they're strong. They, you know, they don't run out of puff in the last 10 minutes. And uh, up against Tonga, they, they met a team that did. Mm. Um, Australia certainly won't. Guardian Unlimited, the Rugby World Cup show, sponsored by Magnus. Let's move on to Ireland. Ireland's defeat to Argentina, which most people, I'm afraid, had predicted. Did anything surprise you about it? Oh, it was just grimly predictable. I mean, you know, everything you thought Argentina would do, they did and only but did it better. Let's not get too carried away with Ireland for a moment and and let's recognise that Argentina are a serious team now. Um, They've got a quarterfinal against Scotland coming up. You'd expect them to win that easily and you'd give them a good chance against South Africa even in a semi-final. Because I I think in Argentina we're we're seeing A, the best fly half in the tournament in Juan Martín Hernández who was just awesome yesterday. Um, Never put a foot wrong the entire game. His kicking was immaculate, put Ireland under constant pressure. And you're seeing a serious pack, a a serious international class set of forwards. What really let me down about Ireland yesterday was the way the front row and and the pack as a whole were just blown away in the loose. They just could not stand up to Argentina's physicality. And in this day and age, you know, full-time professional players, there's no real excuse for that. Ireland are physically underprepared. Kevin, what did you make of the Irish performance and the Argentinian performance throughout this tournament? Yeah, well, the the Argentinians have been fantastic. They really have, and and they've surprised uh, a few people, but not not those who keep their finger on the pulse, perhaps. I, I think 
yesterday what, what, what happened was they played so close to the legality of being offside, but they did it brilliantly. They were all over Ireland. They, they played like Arsenal used to play their football. They closed everyone down. Uh, the Irish hardly had time to catch their breath, never really got into it. I mean, they still married, you know, managed to break through a couple of times, but it was, it was against the run of play, basically. Uh, it was, it was. I don't know. I don't know what to say about the Irish performance. I just, I just never got into this match, and I think knowing that they had to score four tries, perhaps preyed on their on their minds too much. Um, I don't know that they were patient enough. They were trying a couple of things early on that just didn't come off. They were, and, and they were going for the four tries from the start, and it, oh, absolutely, it was pretty yeah. clear. But they had no other option, and that, that's been the tragedy in this World Cup. They, they haven't lost it in this game. They've lost it in the in the three yeah. leading up to it and not getting the bonus point against Namibia. You know, they, I mean, they've just shot yeah. themselves in the foot, haven't they? Mm, and, and we make the point every week, but they have tailed off from almost spectacularly from that team from, say, 18 months ago, haven't they? They, they, they have indeed, but, you, you know, the success of that team papered over a lot of cracks. If you look at the Ireland team, it's barely changed, apart from one or two positions in the last three years. And the kind of fulcrum of their game, what's kept them going, has been the Stringer-O'Gara partnership at halfback, O'Driscoll or Darcy in the centre, and movable rocks of Irish rugby. What that has disguised is the fact that there's nothing beyond these guys. And when, you, when, when someone such as O'Gara has in this tournament such a, suffered such a catastrophic loss of form, you suddenly realise you haven't got a replacement. And, then, and what do you do? You know, well, the answer is you don't do anything. You let him play the whole games and playing the worst rugby of his life. I mean, he was appalling yesterday. His kicking, for, for someone who's been the kind of preeminent kicker from hand in rugby and in international rugby for the past few years, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. To... Mm. <laughs> but uh, the Welsh have acted quickly. They've sacked their coach. Will the Irish do similarly? Well, the, the Irish are the bright idea of giving, giving Eddie O'Sullivan a, a new four-year contract on the eve of the World Cup. I mean, they can sack him now. It's going to be damn expensive to do so, though. Nobody should ever take lessons from the England football team. They did exactly the same thing with, er- er- thing with Ericsson before the, before the last World Cup. It's a, a remarkable lack of foresight on that move. Coaches should be judged in big tournaments, and they all say that. They also judge me on the World Cup, just as Jenkins said. To hand him a new four-year deal when the, when the team had done nothing, it does beggar belief. Kevin, do you think that they'll take action against the coach? Well, I don't know. I think Ian's probably right. It cost them a fortune to do so. I, I think they'll let the dust settle a bit. I think w- whether that's right or wrong is up for debate. I think you have to be judged on big tournament results. But I have to. I slightly disagree with Ian. I think there were signs in the last, you know, within the last year or so that Ireland had, uh, had put together a couple of really solid performances. When they blew England away at Croke Park, they looked strong, confident. That was a good good sign that things were okay. I think what happened at this tournament, I think they got stage fright. I think they've absolutely frozen. The, the good players haven't played well. It's not just the backup or the other, the other players, you know. The good players haven't played well. Driscoll struggled to get into the, into the tournament. And you can see the frustration in him. I don't know that there's a lot to do. Um, I, I would stand back a bit. I'm not a great one for sacking people just for the sake of it anyway. I, and, I, and then you've got to look what the alternatives are. And I don't really see what they are with the resources that the Irish Rugby Union have got. I think they'll stick with him um, and just 
plough on, to be honest with you. Okay, well, from the blogs, uh, Bogstick07 from Carlisle says, Argentina were brilliant. Can't wait until the semi-final against South Africa. What a match. Sorry, Fiji and Scotland, you have no chance. Uh, While I understand the reasons behind Argentina going to seven nations, it would be much better for their rugby improvement to join the tri-nations. Of course, those tri-nations, money-hungry, self-interested countries need to wake up and smell reality. Maybe Argentina need to beat South Africa to arrive finally as a world power. You must have been impressed, Ian, with Argentina. Huge, hugely impressed, and you know, I think one of the things that's got to come out of, come out of this World Cup is is a long, hard look at the structure of international rugby. Because four teams like Argentina, four teams like Fiji, what are, what are they supposed to do for the next four years now? Argentina have no major tournaments to play in. They're not in the Tri Nations. They're not in the Six Nations. Fiji, Tonga, likewise. Do, do the IRB just expect them to go off and twiddle their thumbs for four years now, play each other in the odd friendly? You know, if it's always been the IRB's stated goal to kind of spread the gospel of rugby to countries you know, to, to, to raise these countries up to a level where they can p- compete with the top teams. When they've done that, when you've got two of them in the quarterfinals, what then? Mm-hmm. OK, let's look ahead to um, some more of the home nations or, or lack of home nations. A quick word on, on Scotland, Kevin. I mean, they scraped through against Italy. Uh, what have you made of their performances over this World Cup? Have they been typical of the, the home nations? Well, they've been typically Scottish. They, they, some of them, you know, they got through. I mean, I, I, I thought it was a travesty. I still do. I, I haven't changed my mind that fielding that B team against the All Blacks. That's that's just wrong. That's uh, shortchanging the public. It makes a mockery of comp- what competition is supposed to be. But somehow they've got through, scraped by Italy, uh, and they're still there. Uh, they, they do have a capacity to surprise you, the Scots. Not as often as you'd like, perhaps, but... Uh, I don't know that they're going much further, uh, quite honestly, but th- they've done well to hang in there. Yeah, uh, Milan from uh, guest 991977 from Milan says uh, the, the true difference in this game was simply one kick that Italy had and missed not once but three times, while Scotland did not. The difference was simply was simply Patterson versus Portolo's Butelisi. I mean, you could say it was as simple as that. Was it as simple as that, Ian? Not quite as simple as that, no. Um... I think I, I tend to disagree with Kevin. I, I, if you look at it in a very cold-eyed manner, sports is about results, and Scotland have got the result. Um, it was a very tight match against Italy. It was always going to be. But I, I think when it came down to the, the, the big decisions in the game, Scot, Scotland just were that bit smarter. They were, they were just that bit more streetwise over Italy. And, you know, they, they knew Patterson was in great form. They, 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 he'd barely missed a kick the whole tournament. They played everything to that strength. And it, it, it got them there. It got them there. And I, you can't condemn them for it. OK. Uh, Godfather in Manchester says, Italy played well the other night, but it was Scotland's discipline that really impressed me. They survived a very physical onslaught throughout the game, but they kept to their game plan and they kept their cool. Scotland are a team that nobody rates, but I feel that they use the Six Nations to blood younger players and give them more experience of the big game situations. So I think we've touched on the idea that we think that, that Argentina could make the semi-finals, and then who knows? Kevin? Well, I, I, I think that blog you, you read out uh, a couple of minutes ago absolutely summed it up. And I, I think there's a lot of goodwill pulling for Argentina in this World Cup. Uh, I think the injustices handed out to them and the island nations are, are just so gross as to be too obvious. Uh, I'd love to see them do it. Uh, I think they can as well. I, I think they can beat South Africa. And then what? You know, anything can happen. I, I think they've got a verve about them. Uh, Hernandez has been fantastic. Pichot, you know, also that the forwards are playing like they're possessed. Uh, who knows what they can do? Anything is possible. I'm delighted to say we're going to be joined now, speaking about the Wales-Fiji amazing game over the weekend, 
by Jeremy Duxbury, who's the team manager, or team media manager, I should say, of the Fijian team, who joins us. And I think, Jeremy, you're on the team bus. That's correct. We just finished a training session in Corniche, where we, we, we stayed last night. And we're heading back to the hotel, and we've got to have a quick lunch and a bite to eat and then get off to the airport before we fly down to Marseille this afternoon. Well, it sounds, judging by the noise behind you, as if uh, the team are in good spirits. And why shouldn't they be? <laughs> yeah, they are in good spirits. Obviously, uh, Saturday was a, was a marvellous day for all of us and everybody back home in Fiji as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, we, we, everybody appreciates that the, the job is on over. Uh, we've got a long week ahead of us and uh, the celebration is be stopped on Sunday morning and we got back to business. Uh, everybody knows that this is a big week, big week and um, we're, we're tra treating it very seriously and, uh, and I hope to put on another incredible performance like we did on Saturday. That's right, on Sunday of course you've got to play South Africa. What has the reaction been like back home? Oh, it's pretty crazy, I think, back there. The, uh, the game kicks off at 3 o'clock in the morning, so you've got a lot of people staying up in the middle of the night to watch it. Um, so that would have been 3 o'clock Sunday morning, so by the time the game is finished, it's about 5 o'clock Sunday morning, and, and as you know, the Fijians are very religious, and they would go off to church Sunday morning. Uh, I, obviously, a lot of cars tooting and people shouting and screaming, and, and what I hear is that uh, everybody was praying for Nicky Little on Sunday morning so, in church. How is Nicky Little? Nick, it's fine. He's in good spirits. He's with the team. He's, he's on crutches, but uh, and obviously he's not playing this weekend. Uh, but um, you know, he's a he's, he's a very important part of this team. He's he's he, he's, a, he's a tremendous uh, uh, touring player and team player, um, and he's a he's a good influence on all the younger boys. It was an it was an amazing performance. Did it surprise you and the rest of the team, or not? Not at all. Uh, we were very pleased that uh, everybody else had written us off because we knew we uh, we knew the we know the quality of the players. We know that we know what we're capable of. Uh, we just hadn't uh, really shown everybody else that. Um, we've we've got a very good backline. We have a very uh, solid unit up front um, who are you know, have been heavily heavily criticised, but um, but uh, but but came together very well. You know and. Um, we, we weren't surprised at all. We knew we could play like that and we've just been waiting for that game to come out. What was the party like on Saturday night? Was it low-key or not? Yes, it was low-key. I mean, there's a few friends and family from, you know, from Fijians in the hotel staying and uh, you know, it's very, very well controlled and, um, and just uh, very happy, you know, very happy and, uh, and um, low-key is probably a good word. They had a, you know, we had a, a grog, uh, grog session, so there's a bit of religion in there as well. So that, you know, there's a bit of singing going on at the beginning. Um, with all the friends and families invited to, to join us for the meal. Um, the local the Fijians that are staying here uh, for the game uh, cooked a lovo, which is the traditional sort of uh, meal that we'd have, so that so they cooked a lovo for all the players as well, because they haven't had that since they left uh, Fiji a month ago. What, what's six, it, six weeks ago. What's in that meal? A lovo is like, a, it, it's the one that's kicked, uh, cooked in the ground. So um, it, the chicken and the uh, palsami is cooked in the ground to get the flavour from the from the earth, shall we say. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's been an absolutely marvellous experience. What kind of um, chance do you give your players against South Africa, who again will be very strong favourites against you? Well, we've been uh, inspired by the Tongans. Uh, you see how, the, how, how Tonga took on South Africa and gave them a real fright. Uh, and uh, that's given us confidence as well. The, the boys know that this, this, this game is within their capabilities as well if we can we can play the same way we played last uh, on the weekend um, and control the ball and, and not drop anything and win our line outs and win our set pieces like we did on the weekend um, um, then you know why not 
Fantastic. Well, congratulations. Well done to everyone involved and, and very good luck uh, on Sunday against South Africa. Jeremy. Thank you very much indeed. Guardian Unlimited, the Rugby World Cup show, sponsored by Magnus. OK, let's just round things up then by talking about our heroes and villains of the tournament so far, who we think has played best, who we think has uh, not inspired things uh, and who, what's been the, the most outstanding feature or perhaps the most unusual thing that you've seen at this tournament. Ian, would you like to kick us off? Hmm, our heroes so far. Um, very hard to look, look beyond Fiji and a, a, a team that plays with just that verve and joy but marries it to the kind of pragmatism that can that can beat a you know a fairly hardy team like Wales. Um, I think Nicky Little, the fly half, was just an outstanding game, and you know f- f- for all the kind of free spirited mayhem around him, he was he was the he was the one kind of force of discipline in that team against Wales. The the one who you know always made the right decision, cool under pressure every time, and he's injured now. They're, they're going to miss him a hell of a lot in the quarter final. Um, let's go to villains. <laughs> where do you start where do you start there's a long list I, I mean I'm tempted just to go through Ireland 1 to 15 oh. but we'll, we, we, we'll avoid that for now I've, I've, I've carved about Ireland enough other than them I think the shirt manufacturers perhaps. the shirt yes definitely the shirt manufacturers um, the fly halves who whinge about a ball that other people can you know have 100% kicking records with the schedulers right the schedulers have managed to come up with a France New Zealand quarter final in Cardiff, in Cardiff for the French World Cup yes um, the same people who put France Ireland Ireland, Argentina in the same group and made it such a kind of such an attritional group. The kind of overarching organisation that says, you know, we, we will design this tournament for the bigger teams. Well, they've had it thrown back on their face now by the smaller ones. And that's okay. great to see. OK. And uh, Kevin, what about you? Heroes, villains, people have impressed or not impressed you? Uh, oh, there's so much to, to look back on. Uh, uh, Nicky Little, uh, again, I'm sorry to be slightly repetitive, but I think the image of him on the stretcher uh, watching from the sideline as Fiji finished that game off and, and now he's out of the tournament and, and what a you know fantastic player he's been and what, and what a great match he had and the great tournament he's had I think that, that's an image that will stay with me I've come with a, maybe a slightly unusual villain Drew Mitchell the Australian winger who's scored seven tries now and when when uh, when told that this bettered the record, the, the Rugby World Cup record of David Campisi in 91, uh, was totally unaware of it. Now, this is a, a hobby horse of mine. He should have been aware of it. You should be aware of the heritage and the history of the sport you play. And I think too many young players these days, I might be doing this guy a disservice, but they should know about the past and they should be aware that it matters. And uh, he just said, no, not me, mate, when somebody told him he was now a, a record try scorer. Whereas George Gregan on the same side, he's, he's got 138 caps now, heading for his third final, perhaps. Uh, you won't find George dismissing the past so lightly. And I think he's been a terrific player the whole tournament, sort of slightly unnoticed, perhaps, because what he does doesn't seem that spectacular. But he's one of the all-time greats, George Gregan. And uh, if anyone's going to uh, upset the All Blacks, if anyone's going to stop the, the mighty New Zealand machine, it'll be someone like George Gregan. OK, well, thank you very much to both of you, to Kevin Mitchell and to uh, Ian Pryor. Thank you for uh, joining in via the blogs. You can always join in via the blogs, as we keep saying. To do so, you go to blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Next time up in our next podcast, we're obviously going to preview the uh, quarterfinals, which are on Saturday, 2 o'clock, Australia against England, 8 o'clock, New Zealand against France, and then on Sunday... 8 o'clock, Argentina against Scotland, and at 2 o'clock before that, South Africa against Fiji. But for the moment, thank you very much to all of you who've listened, and we'll speak to you next time. Goodbye. 
You've been listening to the Rugby World Cup show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to magnuscider.com.